We are in uh, week number five of this series, A Lap with a Legend. And here's the premise of the series. In heaven, there are all these legends of the faith mentioned in the Bible, ordinary people who did extraordinary things because they had great faith in a great God. And our theme verse for this whole series is Hebrews 12.1, which says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So these men and women have a role to play in our life. In fact, we're surrounded by them, Scripture says. They're, they're watching us. They're witnessing us, Scripture says. Moses, David, Abraham, the Apostle Paul, all watching you run your race, sitting in the stands, pom-poms in their hands, cheering us on. Now, if you ever played a sport and you had a crowd cheering you on, that is incredibly motivating. But it's even more motivating if they could share some advice with you. If they could speak into your lives. Their advice is invaluable because they're done with their race and they did it well. They succeeded. We're still on this track of life and the jury is still out on whether we'll finish well or not. So the thought is, instead of just hearing the crowd noise, what would it be like to pull one of them out of the stands? We obviously can't do this. But what if we pulled one of them out of the stands, came out of heaven and we said, hey, Isaiah, speak life into me. And Isaiah said, well, here's how I did so well, and here's how you are going to do well as well. What would Sarah say? What would Jacob say? And that's the premise of the series is one by one, we're bringing them out, and we try to reduce their life story, their Bible story, down to one encouraging thought that keeps us running our race. Today's legend is Mary, one of the most misunderstood women in history. In fact, tradition has turned her into something that the Bible never really describes. In fact, in some cultures and traditions, they've actually made Mary a god and pray to her. And the Bible, of course, never says that. She's actually a very ordinary person. You all know the Christmas story. This angel Gabriel came to this teenage girl. Some scholars believe she was probably around 14 years old. And the angel of the Lord tells Mary, you're going to get pregnant without ever being with a man. And you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Right? You can imagine that news. Her advice this morning would be for when God asks you to do something that's outside of your comfort zone. When God asks, and, and God is notorious at doing that, by the way. He asks us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. God wants to meet with you. I guarantee it. He's trying to connect with you. He wants to meet with you. He's got some things to say. He's always speaking. He's wanting to have these encounters with you. In fact, I like to think of this service as more than just a church service. My job is really to facilitate you being able to have a moment with God because I believe that an hour and 10 minutes at Colonial Hill Baptist Church will do you good this week, but I believe a second with God will do you better, amen? So that's, that's really what my role is, is I want you to have an encounter with God in our time together so your life will be forever changed. And I think Mary would say, I had my moment with God and it was strange. And I'm convinced she would say, don't miss your moment with God. Don't miss it. He's actively trying to meet with you. And for some of you, that's kind of a haunting thought because you're sensing it right now. And whether it's through, through tragedy or through presence or through worship or through opportunity, it comes in a variety of ways. Uh, for Mary, it came in an angel from the Lord. Uh, Moses, it was a burning bush. God rarely does it the same way twice, but make no mistake about it. God is trying to have a moment with you. 
So whether you're in the building or you're watching on television or you're watching on Facebook Live, listen to me. God is trying to have a moment with you. You can count on that, but you need to know that. Now, as with all of these legends of the faith in this series, it seems, Mary would join with them in saying, God's not how you think he is. The way God works is counterintuitive. It's just different than you would imagine. Mary would say, let me teach you about some God moments. And I want you to jot these down today if you're taking notes. Here's the first one, is that God moments often on the surface seem impossible. On the surface, they they don't even seem like that that can actually happen. So God comes along and says, hey, I've got a challenge for you. I've got a direction for your life. I've got something I want to do in or through you. And our first response is usually, I don't think so. I don't even understand how that's going to happen. A lot of us discount, or the way I like to think about it, we stiff arm God and say, I don't think so. You're asking too much of me. And some of you felt that through the tension of worship. In your heart, you know what the Bible says about singing and shouting and dancing and lifting your hands. And you know that it says that, and you're like, I know it's in there, but God, you're asking too much. And I think we stiff arm God in different ways, maybe even in that way, and sometimes we miss out on some of the very best parts of God. For Mary, let's go to her story. This is Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 31. The angel comes along and says, Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus because he's gonna be the savior of the whole world. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. In other words, he's God's son. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And of course, Mary said in that moment, what a lot of us would say in that moment, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't get it. Right? How will this be since I'm a virgin? So she starts to question God. And sometimes that happens to us. We question God. A lot of times we face situations like that where our brains take over. And let me just say something uh, that you need to understand. We're at a severe disadvantage being 2,000 years later an American because our knowledge has increased tremendously. In fact, some studies say our knowledge is doubling every three years. And I'm so glad we have knowledge. I'm glad that we have the, the knowledge. We, I'm glad we know how to make air conditioning now on June 23rd. Amen, somebody? Come on. Like, I'm glad. Mary didn't have that. Uh, So I'm thankful for the knowledge that we have. But what you and I have to be cautious of is depending on that knowledge at the expense of God doing something amazing outside of our knowledge. Did you hear that? We've got to be careful that our knowledge, that, that we don't limit God doing something amazing outside of our knowledge. In fact, for a lot of us, we depend more on quote unquote facts than we do our faith. And it's keeping miracles from happening in our lives potentially. When you let your brain get involved in the God process, you'll reduce God down to the size of your brain. Well, I I can't obey it if I don't understand it. And what you end up doing is you just made God the size of you. And for me, that's a very, 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 very small God. You really don't wanna do that. In fact, if God is God and you are you, then God is gonna tell you to do things you don't understand. In fact, Isaiah, who we studied last Sunday, Isaiah in Isaiah 55 says, Uh, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, and we don't even know how high that is, but as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. So you're never gonna fully understand God. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but miracles are taking place all over the world. Our God is still in the miracle working business. Let me just share with you two. I'm just gonna share two. I could share with you 10, but I'll share with you two that happened uh, while I was away. When I was in Austin, we did a thing called Miracle Month. We probably should do that here. 
And we just started praying for the miracles that we see in the Bible. And we would, have our, we would come down as a prayer team, as a pastoral team, and we would ask people to come down and pray, maybe for a miracle. And we got some wild prayer requests. And for the longest time, I would pray things like, God, if it's your will. Because that's a cop-out, right? If it didn't work, well, it wasn't his will, so. And I just took that out of my prayer and I said, God, in Jesus' name. And I began to pray miracles over people and things started to happen. So let me just tell you two. We had a lady named Christina who was in our church and she had uh, stage three or four, I can't remember, but it was very, very advanced brain cancer. And she was going in for surgery on Monday and uh, she just came to pray for peace because she was so nervous. That's obviously a very scary operation. So she just came for peace and we just prayed for healing. And so we prayed for her and we prayed for healing and she went to the doctors the next day and I don't know the whole story. She's telling me this, but she said, apparently they made the incision and they went and said, where's the cancer? The cancer wasn't there. It's gone. That's a pretty easy surgery. They sewed her back up and sent her home. It's pretty cool. We had another lady we had a guy named Jose Martinez who was our Spanish-speaking pastor. He had a little Spanish-speaking congregation that he was trying to build up in Austin. And uh, his wife got pregnant. And they went to the doctor late in the week and they did a sonogram and they said, the baby has no heartbeat. And we need to remove the fetus on Monday. And so they came on Sunday and just believing in Jesus' name, we're in the middle of this miracle month. They said, can we just pray that God would start the heart? Right, that's a big one. That's it. Now, we read about a God in the Bible who raises the dead to life, but I mean, this is kind of a big prayer request. So we said, let's go. And so we just started praying over that womb and they went on a Monday and they did another sonogram just to make sure before they took the baby and that heart had started. And that baby is now alive and well and healthy and doing awesome with no complications or problems. In that, don't we serve a good God? God is still in the miracle working business. And by the way, that happened not once, but twice that month. There was another woman who heard that story. And so she came down. She goes, I just got the same report. We said, let's do it again. And God did it a second time. I'm telling you, God is still in the miracle working business. But sometimes when we limit him to our little brains. We can limit the miracles that are happening in our life. You go overseas, ask this team that goes to Brazil. You'll really see some wild stuff because in those cultures, they don't have anything else to depend on except a miracle from God. Here we have, well, we'll figure it out. They don't have that there. Maybe that's keeping you from God's best. Maybe, maybe. Here's what I know. Miracles happen when our willingness to trust God intersects with God's plan. That's when miracles happen. When our willingness to trust God intersects with God's plan. And our job is not to get in here. Your job is to trust God in here and just say, God, you have a plan. I'm gonna trust the plan. Oftentimes, Jesus would have given encouraging words like this from Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, I know you don't think it can happen. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. Say that last line with me. All things are possible with God. There's sometimes we go, this is not possible, but we're not dealing with possibilities when we're talking about God. All things are possible with God, Right? All things, if you have a God moment, you have to, to discipline yourself not to go into your knowledge base, but just to trust him that supernatural things might happen. Here's the second thing. Everybody still with me? Okay. Here's the second thing, and that is when God moments come, just say yes. That's your whole role. Yep. Yes, sir. 
Mary, of course, said, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm a virgin. But the very next thing that she says in verse 38, the very next words she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I don't know how in the world you're going to do it, Lord. But may your word to me be fulfilled. Have you ever thought about the list of questions that Mary must have had? Right? First, she has to tell Joseph. Joseph. Um, I know we're engaged to be married and I know we're really excited about the honeymoon, but um, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? It was an angel of the Lord. What? (laughs) You know, who you been with, woman, right? And and he almost wanted to call it all off until an angel visited him and said, no, 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 it's, it's true. She's telling the truth. So then they have to go to the parents. That's awkward, right? Mom, dad. Joseph and I are pregnant, but we're still pure, right? Like that's not gonna fly. And then you get, it gets out in the community and people start, what, you're not, prove it. We can't prove it. They didn't have DNA tests back there. Although I'd love to see that Mari Povich episode, wouldn't you, right? <laughs> Joseph and Mary sitting there, Mari sitting there, the studio audience is filled to capacity and Mari opens up the envelope and he goes, Joseph, you are not the father. In fact, we don't know who the father is. The whole DNA machine melted on us and freaked out on us and we don't know what happened, right? I would love to be in that, in that audience. I mean, you just think about the questions she had to answer and then Mary has to face religious leaders of the day And the law at that time was, if you get pregnant and you're not married, we take you in the streets and stone you. And so she has all of this pressure. You talk about questions, fears, and concerns for a moment that God initiated. Are you hearing me? Like concerns and fears and questions. And God started this whole thing and she's getting bombarded with all of this stuff. It's tough sometimes. Trust Jesus is hard sometimes, and that's why there's so many verses in the Bible about, hey, keep your hope alive. God has a plan for you. It's tough to go through this, but hang in there. I'm reminded of a story in the Gospels where a synagogue ruler came to Jesus and said, my daughter's dying, I need you. And Jesus said, let's go. And so they're on their way to Jairus' house, and they come across a woman who had an issue of blood. She'd been bleeding for 12 straight years. And so Jesus slows down, stops to heal her. And you've got to imagine Jairus is going, hey, let's go. We got to go. My daughter's going to die. And here Jesus is stopping to help somebody else. And then some people from Jairus' house came. It's too late. She's dead. It's too late. Hey, look at me. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Look at what Jesus says. This is awesome. This is Mark 5. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. I don't know who that's for today, but you're going through something right now and you're like, it's too late. Don't be afraid, just believe. By the way, Jairus' daughter got healed. It's not too late. Here's the last one. Y'all getting anything out of this? Okay. I'm about to preach myself happy today. I'm just telling you. All right, here's the third one. And that is your God moment will open the door for God's best in your life. Your God moment will open the door for God's best in your life. And that's what keeps you going, by the way. Listen, I'm not saying it's not a struggle at times. It is hard to trust sometimes. I don't know if you know this or not, but as soon as the angel left, like as soon as the angel left, Mary gets out of Dodge. She said, I know the ridicule that's coming and I'm going out. And so she 
goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house who would actually become the mother of John the Baptist. So she goes to Elizabeth's house and as soon as Mary arrives, in a loud voice, Elizabeth cried out to Mary. Look at this in Luke 1. Man, you've gotta have people like this in your life. Listen to what she says. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And then she says it a third time, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Hey, honey, honey, I know you're scared. I know you're nervous. I know that all you can think about is what they're gonna think of you, that you're the you-know-what woman in that town. But listen, blessed are you. Blessed are you. There's blessing on the other side of this. I tell this story in our Next Steps class, but when JC and I were first married, um, she was in graduate school. I was... um, I was here, I was student pastor, and we were really living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to get her through school. And that month, we had a hot water heater go out, and we had to put new tires on the car. And those are both kind of expensive items. And we had an emergency fund, we just didn't have that kind of an emergency fund. And so we exhausted all of that. And I'm thinking, I don't know how we're going to pay all the bills at the end of the month. And it's really easy in those moments to not be obedient and and to give. So I told you a minute ago, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. That's Paul to the church at Corinth. Well, we had a decided number. This is what we're going to give every month. And so it got time in the service where we wrote the check, like we physically wrote a check. And we put it in the offering plate. And as the plate left my hand, I actually had the thought, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills. <laughs> I did, I had that thought. It's like, we got that hot water heater thing coming up. Uh, so we went home, this was on a Sunday in March. We went home and we had lunch and we took a nap, praise the Lord for Sunday afternoon naps. Come on, somebody. And uh, the doorbell rang, woke me up. That wasn't pleasant. And I went to the front door and it was a couple that everybody in the room, I promise you, knows. I'm not gonna say their names, but... Um, for sake of anonymity. But anyway, the, I, th- I did not know them very well at the time at all. I maybe had had 10 conversations with them in my life. And I thought somebody had died. I just immediately thought something was wrong because they were on my front door. Why are you here? And so I opened the door and I said, hey, what's, is everything okay? And the wife said, this is gonna sound very odd, but we were praying and God very specifically told us to give you this. And they handed me an envelope with $1,000 cash in it, which was more than I had given earlier that day. And I'm sitting there going, you're amazing, right? When you're obedient, blessing follows, follows obedience. So just be obedient, just be obedient, just be obedient and watch the blessing follow. God has blessing waiting for us on the other side of our obedience. By the way, let me just tell you a little secret. Some of you young Christians need to hear this. Uh, When you've been serving God as long as I have and you experience things like that, I cannot count on my hands and toes over 20 times things like that have happened in my journey with God. And now I don't even doubt God. When God says something, especially something crazy, I go, okay, like, let's go. I I don't even bat an eye because I just see God be faithful through my obedience. So I'm just telling you, if you're new to this little Christian thing, just step out and he'll strengthen that faith every single time. Let's advance 30 years into Mary's story. Jesus is now 30 years old. The first miracle he ever does is the wedding at Cana. You know the story. He turns water into wine. And uh, they ran out of wine, which was a major social faux pas in this culture. And Mary just shows up. And here's what she says in John 2, 5. I love this. She says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I love that. I don't know what he's going to say, but he's been my son for 30 years. And I'm just telling you, whatever he says, just do it. 
I've seen some things, right? We don't have a whole lot about Jesus' life from ages 12 to 30. There's not a whole lot of the Bible about that, but I wish there was. Because you know there were moments where she's like, hey, Jesus, yes, ma'am, can you go to the store? I need some flour. Oh, mom, can I go later? No, I need you to go right now. Hey, mom, look in, the, look in the cabinet one more time. I think there's flour in there. <laughs> you know he did that, right? There's, there's, there's flour. I, I, you just know there were moments. She's like, hey, whatever he says to do, just do it, okay? I don't know what he's gonna do, but there's gonna be some wine showing up in just a minute. <laughs> Let me close this message. So we're jogging around the track. She's getting ready to go back in the stands. And I think Mary would leave us four phrases in, all, in order to cultivate those God moments. We all want them. God's trying to have them. How, how, Mary, how do we have those? Number one, to stay connected to God. You've got to stay connected to God. Stay really, really close. And can I just give you the simplest way to stay connected to God? And in fact, I'm going to do a whole series on this in July. I'm so excited about this. We're going to really teach this. But I'm just going to give you a sentence. In fact, I'm just going to give you a word. And that word is worship. Just worship him. Stay close to God. Just worship for goodness sake, turn off the TV, turn off the news, turn, turn down the secular music and just worship. He's wanting you to, de- to draw close to him and he will draw close to you. That's what James 4 says. He's trying to talk to us all the time if we'll just get close to him. Let me give you the Christmas story. You know it, Luke chapter two. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They're all fired up. Angels are shouting. The shepherds are shouting. Everybody's shouting, but not Mary. Mary Mary was not shouting. She was doing something very, very beautiful. She knew something significant was happening. Look at the next verse. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She just worshiped him. She goes, I know something, this is, this is something really, really special. She stayed close. I think she'd say, Reed, slow down. Take some time just to worship. Just stay close. Ponder. Treasure. In John 15, Jesus actually said, if you don't get close to me, you're gonna accomplish absolutely nothing on this earth. Like I'm the vine and you're the branches and you've gotta stay connected to the vine. I encourage you to read John 15 this week. It's an incredible text. Let me give you just one verse, verse five, out of the message translation. I just love how this is written. It says, when you're joined with me, Jesus speaking, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation Intimate and organic. I just love the word organic. In other words, don't get into a rut. Don't do your, like, your same three points in your quiet time with the Lord this morning. Like Just change it up a little bit. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Stay close to God. Stay connected to God. Here's the second one. And that is stay connected to your purpose. Stay connected to your purpose. I think there were days where Mary still hated being Mary. I think even though she had Joseph now, there were days it was probably difficult being Jesus' mother. He's still an illegitimate child, and so she has to raise him. And I'm sure there were moments where she's going, how am I gonna make it? How did she hang in there? Purpose, purpose. When Jesus was dedicated in the temple, which by the way, we're gonna do child dedication. Uh, our next one's gonna be in August, August 25th. And if you've got a child that has yet to be dedicated, we'd love to do that. Uh, you can go to our website, colonialhill.org and sign up for that. But Jesus was dedicated. Look at Luke 2, 34 and 35. It says, then Simeon blessed them 
and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined. I think Mary knew, she made it because she knew she wasn't raising a normal child and you're not either. There's a destiny for your child. And so she knew there was a purpose. She knew he's not gonna live this normal life. God's got purpose in it. And it's God got purpose in me to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He's gonna be a special kid. One of my favorite parts of my job is to tell you, hey, everybody, find your purpose. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. We're building our entire programming of our church around this idea of this Next Steps class. Now, a lot of you have gone through this. 180 of us have gone through the Next Steps class. It's pretty much the only announcement here every Sunday. Why? Because you need to find your purpose. Not for me, for you. You need to find your purpose. Some of you still have no clue why you're on this planet, and your life is never going to make sense until you do. I promise you, it will redefine your life. It'll redefine your life when you understand why you're connected on this planet. You're connected to a purpose that God has given you before the foundations of the earth. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. Before you were born, he set you apart. Every day has been ordained for you and written in his book before one day came to be. He's got a purpose for you, everybody. And a lot of you have taken the class. Let me just tell you what's going to happen next. So over the next week, I'm going to meet with all of our team leads. And then in the beginning of July, you're going to get phone calls, emails and saying, hey, we want to put you on the team so you can start living out your purpose. You know your purpose now. We want to help you live it out here at Colonial Hill Baptist Church. But some of you have never done it. You've never come to the class. I encourage you to come with me next Sunday. I teach it 930. We'll have you out about 1035. You'll be back in here and ready to worship next Sunday. But I would love for you to come to Next Steps. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. It's so important. That's one reason she said, I'm connected to my purpose. That's how I made it. That's how I made it. Here's the third one. Stay connected to the people who encourage you. Stay connected to the people who encourage you. I think one of the genius things that Mary did is she got out of Dodge. As soon as all that happened and the angel spoke to her, she said, I'm leaving and going around a support system who's going to help me and encourage me during this. People that wouldn't ridicule her and call her names. In fact, in Luke 156, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. Before she returned home, she's there for three months. I think that's genius. And I just say that to you. I know you already know it, but get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. Today, we launch small groups and it's not too late. You can sign up for a small group. In fact, I, I think there's only one that meets on Sundays that starts tonight. You could sign up this afternoon and get in, get in a group. I think that one is actually full, so we've taken that off the site. Um, but there are still lots and lots of groups to get a, be a part of. Some of them are fun. Some of them are biblical-based. But I'd love for you to get in a group. And it's not really for spiritual development and maturity. That's a great uh, byproduct of groups. But really, I want you to find an Elizabeth. I want you to find some really good friends. Big church is cool. I love that we have hundreds of people joining us on Sunday mornings, but you need to find 12 to 20 who say, I've got your back. I've got you covered. You need some Elizabeths in your life. And so again, you can sign up for small groups. If you go to our website, colonialhill.org, you're gonna see a, a small groups banner. You click on that. It's gonna show you all of the groups. And then you click the little blue button that says, join this group. And it's pretty easy. You put your name and your email and you're in. But you need to get in a group. She was connected to people who encouraged her. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly. Unswervingly. If your life looks like this, you need to get in a group. You're going to start looking like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he has pr who promised us is faithful. And let us consider how we need people in our lives who may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that judgment day approaching. Stay close to people. Here's the last one. I'm gonna give you the verse first. Now we're at the end of the whole story. It's the last place we ever see a story about Mary in the Bible. And unfortunately, she's at the foot of the cross where her son is being executed. I've always taught this story from Jesus' perspective or from God's perspective. I've never really thought about it from Mary's perspective until this week. And I just spent some time thinking about what it would be like to be a mama and see my child whose skin is ripped off. The Bible says that Jesus was marred beyond recognition and that means the bruises on his face were so massive. Yeah, she knew who he was, but nobody else could tell who he was. Blood's dripping down his face and I'm sure she's standing there going, my God, I raised him for this. I can't even imagine. I love my kids so much. And and if you're a parent, you know that you would do anything to take the pain away from them, wouldn't you? And you have to watch that. Look at John 19. It says, Mary was with her little small group. Jesus' mother, Jesus' aunt, was there another Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, that adulterous woman that Jesus so beautifully forgave in John chapter eight. They stood at the foot of the cross watching her son get executed. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. <laughs> I love that John describes himself as the one that Jesus loved. He wrote that. He, he loved me. <laughs> he loved all of them. John, love that. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Woman, I know you wanted to be my mom, but we can't do that anymore. The relationship actually ends because there's something else I have to do now. And then to John, to the disciple, he said, here's your mother. John, do me a favor, take care of mom. I wish I could be your son. And I wish you could continue being my mom, but I've got something I've got to do. I've got to take the sense of the whole world because the wages, the penalty of sin is death. So I'm taking your sin, John, your sin, sins of everybody in this room, sins of Reed, everybody, everybody watching on TV and Facebook, I'm taking all of those sins and I'm gonna die to save the world. And then I'm gonna be enthroned on an everlasting throne with God and I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit to empower the church. I wish I could be your son and I wish you could be my mom, but John, you, you're, now, you're now her son and that's now your mom because I've got something bigger I've gotta do. I've got something better I've got to do. I've I've come here for this reason. Let me ask you this question in closing. How in the world does Mary survive that? Here's how, write it down. She stayed connected to the bigger picture. She understand Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, that's 1 Timothy 1.15. Like that's why he's here for this moment. Listen to me, if you ever think earth is what this is all about, you're gonna die too. It's not about here, it's about there and it's about making a difference here so that we can live amazingly there. And as long as you keep your eyes on the bigger picture that there is an eternal kingdom, you're gonna be fine. And all of God's people said a good, amen. Let's bow together.
I'm gonna ask you just to stay seated, no moving around. This is the moment, in fact, that this could be your God moment. It could be. Very still, very quiet. If, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Reed, I so want a God moment, but I'm far from God. I'm, I'm, I'm far from God. I, I don't even know if I'd go to heaven. And some of you know for a fact you're not going to heaven. Other, others of you, you're just unsure. Some of you were very close to God, but you walked away and you need to come home. And wherever you are in your walk with God, this is your important step. And it's just between you and God. That's why I don't have you stand up or come to the front. There's a time when you need to acknowledge it before men, that's baptism, but it needs to happen in your hearts first. So I'm gonna pray with you right where you're seated. If you say, Reed, I'm ready. I'm ready to cross that line of faith and get close to God. It's a prayer that you need to acknowledge that you wanna be a part of. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. The TV cameras are not on you right now. They've been turned off. But you're saying, Reed, include me in that prayer. I need to know who I'm praying for. I'm gonna pray for you in just a minute, but I wanna know who I'm praying for. I want you to slip up your hand. Reed, include me in that prayer. Awesome, I see you in the back. Awesome, awesome. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, praise God. Thank you. I love it. Anybody else? All right, if you raised your hands, you can slip those hands down. In your heart, I want you to pray this or something like this. Just say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for paying for what I did. Today I receive it and ask you to forgive me. My response is you gave your life and today I give you my life. Come on, tell him that. I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life. Take over today and forevermore. I'm gonna live for you. In your name I pray. Lord, thank you for every person. Thank you for the sins that are forgiven. They're not just forgiven, they're gone. They're expunged. You wipe them away. Thank you, Lord, for making a home in heaven for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us with your Holy Spirit so we can live this brand new life in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just give a big hand clap for all of those who put their faith in Jesus? Come on, that's awesome. The angels are celebrating. We can do better than that, Colonial Hill. Come on, come on. Stand to your feet all over the building.